20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Tuesday. Welcome into a all new co branded episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. Along with the Acme Packing Company, I'm joined once again by the one and only, the legendary Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. Justice, how the heck are you doing? I'm good. I guess I got to apologize on the front end. I saw in your comments people were mad that uh, I pronounced it woolen, not wooden, for, for the uh, defensive lineman rookie. So apologize to the uh, wooden family, Corey Wooden, all of them. Yeah, well, the, I think you'll you'll have some uh, forgiveness, uh, you know, for for getting Colby Wooden, you know, Wooden, whatever, you know. I, I think you're all right. I think I think what you bring to the table, Justice, is more than uh, overcoming a very slight uh, mispronunciation of Colby Wooden's last name. So the L's Fun and time. D's get me. Jaden Reed, Jalen Reed is another one that that ends up getting me too sometimes for some reason. Well, uh, you had uh, Jerron Reed. That that always messes me yeah. up, too, because you had Jerron Reed and they're Jaron Reed or whatever. That one's fun, too. And then you get Jaden Reed right after it. I'm just and then you get Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like that one's throwing me like a million times. So that one got fun me time. in the postgame show on uh, on Sunday night. Nyman slash Nijman is what yeah. Rogers used to call him. Rogers didn't even know the name of his own right tackle. No, no. Uh, yeah, like 90% of people say Gudikin strong too. So that's another fun one, but oh, well, fun times. Uh, let's jump in right away. I want to just, uh, ask your overarching thoughts, Packers saints, bizarre sort of crazy game that ended up in the win column for green Bay, a fun ending, a brutal three and a half quarters. But what were your overall takeaways from that game before we drill down into the minutia of everything? They're a young, talented team. Yeah, but those boys are young. I mean, I, I I didn't realize until here's another name. Is it Dyer? Dyer, the uh, our Irish friend. Oh, on, Dare, uh, Dare, Dare. Yeah, I think Dare. so. He tweet he tweeted out um that the oldest player on the Packers offense yesterday was John Runyon Jr., who is 26 years old. I didn't realize that until you know basically game time. Um, yeah. I talked to my buddy, uh, Sam Schwartzstein, who I worked with at the XFL. He's uh, Andrew Luck's center at Stanford. Um, he currently works for uh, Prime Video, which is why I was talking to him, you know, going into this Thursday night football game that they're going to have. And he was like, I'm looking at this offense, and this is the most puzzling preview I've ever had in my two years, you know, two years that they've had uh, the Thursday night games. And he's like, I just don't really see an identity of the team. Like they're trying a lot of things, but I don't really know what their identity is. And I think that's a pretty good description of this Packers team. Um, tons of penalties early that just made you want to just call a timeout and say like, Hey, get it together. You know what I mean? Like that type of stuff. Yeah. It's a young football team. The stuff is going to happen. That's why we said all off season, like the stuff looks good on paper, right? Like love looks like he's playing well. You know, the young pass catchers look like they're, doing well the offensive line looked like they could they were going to be able to pass protect defense you know had plenty of um how would you call it i don't if, i guess talent um pedigree is probably the best way to put it um but they're just still so young that you you cannot bank on them just being to being able to add talent some of these teams sometimes yeah so a couple things i've been 
throwing this out there, but like the first seven quarters, they were plus 30 in point differential against the the Bears and the Falcons. Then in the next four quarters against the Falcons and the Saints, they went on a zero to 30 run uh, where the other team outscored them 30, the other teams outscored them 30 to nothing. And then they finished on an 18 nothing run. So it's like literally like they've just been almost like a team of streaks so far. And that's just the so, peak. So we're upswing. Upswing for the start of the Lions game. Hopefully and then, we yeah. can survive by the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Enough point. They're going to need to score enough points in the first and second quarter that they can uh, withstand apparently the the downturn on the other side of it. But uh, and yeah, it's just a crazy young team. And, you know, great job by Daria. I knew that they only had like a couple of players over the age of 30 by the time the season started. But yeah, when you start thinking that Bakhtiari's out and things like that, Campbell goes out midway through. That's another one of their older ones. Mm-hmm. Like there's not many old players left at that point. So extremely young team. And my thought on like the identity thing, a couple things. I think one of the core pieces of Matt LaFleur's offense and identity is being able to run the football and they can't do that at all. And if you don't, if you can't run the football, then you're starting to just throw things at a wall and you're trying Keyshawn Nixon on a reverse. You're trying like, you're trying to pitch to Emmanuel Wilson so we can throw back to Jordan Love so he can throw to Dontavian Wicks on fourth and two. Like you're just throwing things to see what sticks at that point. I do also think there's like, if you, if you ask me, what Matt LaFleur's like biggest thing he wants to do is like some people, it's like a concept, right? They want to run this over and over. Like that's the thing they're going to do. I think LaFleur's is find the mismatch and find the weaknesses and try to exploit it in whatever way that they can possibly do that on a week to week basis. And sometimes it looks really good and they find the weakness and they attack it and it looks really cool. Like they clearly thought Isaac Adam was the weakness this week and they wanted to attack him over and over and it works sometimes, but like he also played surprisingly well at moments and kind of hung up or you know, held up more than I think they probably expected him to. But I think his MO is they're going to try to exploit weaknesses more often than not. And sometimes it looks really cool and sometimes it it doesn't. Yeah, I think uh, this was from Next Gen Stats. They said that Isaac Yadam uh, was targeted in tight coverage plays seven times last game and that was the highest by far of any cornerback uh this season and then second on that list was uh Alante Taylor the other cornerback opposite of Lattimore um with with I think five and they ended up totaling I I think overall they got targeted like 18 times and they ended up having like nine pass breakups or something like that yeah that was Um, a lot so yeah I mean we knew who the Saints were like that's going to be that's a Talented team, coverage-wise, right? I'll, you know, they have probably three three corners, even though they were out one on Sunday. Um, and even in in that situation, Yadam, I think Yadam got the best uh, of that matchup. Honestly, the the problem is the one he got beat on ended up being the go ahead touchdown. So that's yeah. all that people are going to remember. But I think he had he had a, a really nice pretty game. good day for for yeah. being tested the way he was, and you know that's why it took Green Bay so long to be able to score. It's why Brian Gutekinds traded Josh Jackson for him, you know, to get him in Green Bay. And it did not exactly work out for him in Green Bay. The work <laughs> that way. Of course, Isaac Yadam balls out at corner and Jimmy Graham catches a touchdown. If like Taysom Hill would have went off for one. Is that the only play Jimmy Graham played? It felt like that was the only play Jimmy Graham played. He had a couple others. I Ben Fennell tweeted. He's like, Jimmy Graham had a highlight block. I will not be posting it. I that's enough about that. <laughs> like, because of course he like never blocked once in Green Bay. So of course he had a highlight block in this one, but. Yeah, he didn't play much, and I think that might have been like one of his only catches on the season so far. I tweeted out he had three touchdowns at Lambeau Field in his two-year career as a member of the Green Bay Packers, 
And now one is like a 50 year old, you know, sailor, whatever he's pilot uh, as part of the new uh, New Orleans Saints. So, yeah, fun times. All right, let's let's start off with the. I guess we could call it low hanging fruit. The thing that everyone wants to talk about. Uh, and that's Jordan love. We talked a little bit about the contested catch situations. You had him play what I would call some uneven football through the majority of three quarters, missed some layups that you want to see him make had his first interception on the season, then led a pretty impressive comeback, which I thought was a pretty, you know, impressive effort for a guy making his fourth ever start in the NFL. What were your uh, thoughts on Jordan Love in this game? Young quarterback. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record, but like this is a quarterback who's learning all aspects of quarterbacking at the NFL level. Um, the one that kills me is the the Musgrave one. I don't know what happened on that play. I don't think we got a clear answer. It seemed like they were talking about maybe like the the angle of the route and not expecting it, but like I don't know. You, you should be able to put enough air under it that Musgrave yep. would have been able to catch that one. That That's the thing that's really frustrating about the offense, right? Is like, I think we can tell um, Musgrave and Wicks both are really good talents, um, but they just haven't been able to connect. Even that, thro- that throwback, right? Um, yeah. That Love did the splits on, like Wicks is wide open on yep. that thing. And there's a couple other plays, you know, where, where Wicks is open and you're like, dang it, man. Like, I, w- I wish we could have gotten it to him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm with you on the Musgrave throw. Yeah, if, if Musgrave takes a slightly different angle than Love is expecting, it can throw things off a little bit. I don't think it would have been enough. I think it would have been overthrown anyway. And like you yeah. said, you just have to put enough air under it where like that has to be completed. That just that just has to be completed. And uh, I think Ross Uglum put it best where like right now Jordan Love's like a home run hitter that's hitting 215. And like, you just need him to hit like 240. And if he hits 240, look the heck out because he can hit for power. He's doing all like the little things. He's running out the singles. He's got like everything else you need him to do, but he's like, he's hitting 215 and, and I'm with him. If he, if all of a sudden the the contact starts coming and he starts hitting some of the layups a little bit more, then look the heck out. And I still think like to me in what I've seen in training camp and now through three weeks of the regular season, we know the baseline stuff. I really like what he's doing navigating the pocket, you know, and just in staying clean, knowing when to run, finding his checkdowns when he needs to. I like a lot of that stuff. I like how he's going through his progressions more often than not. I like his decision-making more often than not. I like all of that. Um, I just think, A, we need to see uh, a little bit more of, you know, con- you know, kind of consistency out of Jordan Love. And I do think he's a little bit of a rhythm thrower. Like, I do think, like, in, in camp we saw him where he would get on these tears where, like, he's just throwing the ball over the field and you're like, Oh, this guy's not going to get stopped right now. And then there's other times where it's like he and the offense combined just can't get in that rhythm. And we kind of saw through three quarters, like he and that offense just could not get in that rhythm. And then they kind of found it. And yes, it was aided a little bit by a couple pass interference plays and on some underthrown balls and things like that. But you know, three, you know, like that last quarter, like he found a rhythm and the offense, like it was not stopped. It was, it was impressive, but you just want to see that consistency out of him. Yeah, for sure, and I think it's kind of hard to get an offense in the rhythm when you're not running the ball well. Yeah. And those, you know, it just kind of puts you behind the sticks a little bit in terms of just the rhythm of the rhythm of the drive, right? Um, I, I think that really hurts, um, and that's not something you're going to be able to get away with against that Lions front. Um, no. You know, they're they're going to be pretty good at stopping that stuff. So hopefully, Aaron Jones is back. We'll see. Um, and and just like 
there's just weird mistakes constantly, right? Like that first drive, you get to the first and 25. Um, even the two-point play, like LaFleur was talking about, they messed the up the motion. Really really what they were trying to do is they were trying to run, you know, that play Devontae scored on against the Rams, right? With that, yeah. quick, that quick motion return stuff that, you know, it made uh, Jalen Ramsey freak out, right? Um, that's the play that I'm talking about. They were basically trying to run that with Jaden Reed, but um, the problem is that like he was behind the guard when the ball was snapped. <laughs> they almost snapped it. It hit, almost hit him. Yeah. So like it, it's stuff like that where it's like you got to remember it's a bunch of like 23, 24 year olds out here playing football. Um, it's closer to like I don't know, like an not a college team, but like an all star youth like younger team than than it is like veterans who are ready to win football games right now so all these things that i'm seeing i'm just like i just don't want to see the same mistake twice right like that's kind of how i'm approaching this entire season we always wanted to know if the university of georgia could beat the chicago bears and now we know the answer (laughs) the answer is yes and apparently they can beat the saints as well uh, no, yeah, they're an extremely young team. They're going to get better with time. But the, like the attention to detail stuff, to your point, is the stuff that really – and that's what in the run game is absolutely killing them. You know, like, the, again, you almost have a massive two-point conversion in that game, like hit Jaden, like this close to hitting Jaden Reed and that thing. Well, even, even like the zone read that everyone taught, I mean, there's a blown block there. So if the yeah. DN stays, there's a blown block. That run gets stuffed up the middle, you know, on, on yeah. a give or something like that. So um, certainly – things that they need to work on even though they won this football game and you know obviously we're, we're talking about what this offense looks like and it's a little bit disjointed i think we probably could have predicted that when you don't have bakhtiari you don't have elton zach tom go i mean zach tom only missed the kneel downs technically so you can't say that too much but he's now on the injury list you don't have aaron jones you don't have christian watson you know that's just the offensive guys you're going into this game now. We, we got an injury update on Monday that, you know, it was hypothetical because they didn't actually have a practice. Right. But the did not practice would have been Jair Alexander, Zane Anderson, David Bakhtiari, Devondre Campbell, Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, Corey Valentine, Carrington Valentine, going to do it forever, Christian Watson. And then the limited participants were Rashawn Gary and Aaron Jones. Hopefully a good sign for Aaron Jones hopefully not as quite as a bad sign as that seems for everyone else. And we'll see what Thursday brings, but that is an insane laundry list of injuries for this team. And I like, I think it's fair to ask justice, like imagine what this team would look like if Zane Anderson was healthy. We just haven't even seen it yet, (laughs) but uh, in all seriousness, like obviously a, a a very brutal injury report right now for green Bay. Yeah. And, all those injuries are going to start stacking up, right? When yep. Caleb, Caleb Jones um, potentially is your swing tackle and he wasn't even active the first two games of the season, right? That kind of tells you what the depth is going to look like. Um, Corey Ballantyne might end up starting this game off of literally off of the practice squad. Nice. I mean, someone someone could pick him up technically, right? I mean, if yep. they really wanted to screw. Do they, yeah, they, don't do, they don't do the protections anymore, do they? At least I don't, I I don't believe them. so. They yeah, stopped, I don't think so. They stopped the uh, – Two years ago, I think, because yeah. I remember they always would protect the special teamers and stuff. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, there's that stuff going on. Um, obviously, not having speed on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's a big deal in this game if, you know, Aaron Jones could play, not just because, you know, the run game has been hurt and all that stuff. Um, again, talk to Sam Schwartzstein, who's doing all the next-gen stat stuff. He sent me a packet about 
um, you know, kind of their preview stuff that they give to the broadcast team for uh, Lions Packers. The Lions are really bad right now at covering the back out of the backfield. Um, and Green Bay's best thing is, you know, running outside. So, like, those two things put together, you're like, Aaron Jones, that, that'd be huge if Aaron Jones yeah. could be on the field in that type of situation. Um, so I think all that stuff's going to come into play. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on the injury report because who knows? I mean, that's that could swing a lot of stuff. Right now the Lions are favored. I would probably take the Lions uh, not knowing who's going to be on the field right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like, I, it feels like – and I – to be fair, I said this last week that the, the game might be decided at, you know, 10.30 a.m. when the inactives come out, obviously later this time at whatever it is, like 5.45 or whatever this week. But um, it, it's so hard to, like, even fathom, like, especially against a really good Lions team. I know the Saints were good, too. And you get home field advantage, which is a huge advantage on Thursday night football. Uh, at least it has been over the years. But, man, that injury list is crazy. And to your point, like, I think there's two positions we clearly need to talk about. A is corner. Because yep. as you mentioned, you know, Ballantyne could be starting alongside Keyshawn Nixon and Razul Douglas. And you're probably going to need to activate Keandre Thomas too, because you can't just go in with three. Ennis Gaines has also been banged up um, on the from a practice squad standpoint. So you're probably looking at calling two of those guys up if if either uh, So Valentine now are you out Patrick Taylor or do you move him to the fifty-three and I got to think something happens with Zane Anderson. Either they just put him on IR and be like, we'll figure out an injury settlement later if we need to, or they just figure out an injury settlement now. But like, I think, or like, I guess, I think it's possible that maybe they just release Emmanuel Wilson. And if somebody claims him, so be it. Um, And they just go with Patrick Taylor at this point. But I would think we're going to get some transactions this week because they might not be able to fill a 48 man roster if they don't. So yeah, it's going to be very no, interesting. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, they only had one healthy scratch and uh, you know, Anthony Johnson jr. This past week, and they, uh, they've only added more injuries since then. The other thing too, that's going to be tricky. Um, this is going to be uh, a little in the weeds, but Devondre Campbell going down does impact this team a good amount because the team's punt protection units have already taken so many hits. Um, you know, with Lucas or uh, yeah, Luke, Lucas Van Ness um, not being able to go on the punt protection team, what's ended up happening is basically they've had to reshuffle that that line, which is also you know includes Patrick Taylor, who's on the practice squad and is exhausted all three of his call ups, so they can't do that anymore. They have to bring him up to the fifty three if they want to play him. They're they are having to play um, Luke Musgrave on the punt protection team already. And that's a guy who's basically playing every single snap for you on offense. And then once offense is done, he's having to run 40 yards down the field or whatever it is to to go cover a punt. Um, That's also not including the fact that, uh, you know, that's usually a position, that interior line that is filled by inside linebackers. And now you're probably going to have that split between Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson on passing downs, you know, if, if they're going to be deployed in the same way that they were in this game once uh, Campbell went out. So, you know, you're talking about having to use full-time starters on punt protection. Maybe that's a situation where if they don't call up a second corner or if they move up, um, you know, Ballantyne to the 53-man roster that – potentially a guy like Mosby, Aaron Mosby, who's probably Packers fans don't think about him at all. Um, he ended up playing a good amount of first team snaps with the special teams. He's kind of an ace in that way. He's kind of played around everywhere. I think he went to Fresno state as a safety. He plays, 
He played a lot of off-ball linebacker. I know he's listed as an edge rusher for the team. He's not really there to play defense. He's there to play special teams. Um, yeah. Don't think about him as a defensive player at all, but he's a guy who could potentially help out on these special teams units. When this team is in a pinch and they have to bring up, you know, a lot of those guys who would have played special teams into the starting lineup. Yeah, Christian Welch, their only other you know linebacker that they could call up. And I don't like, know anything about him because he's only been here for like three weeks, right? Yeah, not not very long. Uh, inside linebacker out of Iowa, 6'3", 240, 25 years old, originally with Baltimore. That's all I got for you. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be their other uh, inside linebacker option. But, yeah, things are, are getting pretty thin. And like you said, like they have two practice squad call-ups, which they will for sure use. And sure. obviously, like you said, they can't use it on Patrick Taylor. So – and they probably need to call up both of their corners. Potentially, I guess it depends on if, if Valentine and Jair can't go, but probably Valentine and Keandre Thomas in that situation. So, yeah, not not great from an injury standpoint. I think corner was the one. I think the other one, obviously you mentioned special teams is going to play a huge factor here too. But um, offensive line too, because yeah. you know, it sounded like there was maybe some hope that that Zach, Zach Tom could maybe go this week. Um if he can't, like, I think we probably know the lineup. I don't think there's too much guessing here. If, if Elton Bakhtiari and, and Zach Tom are out, I think they probably go Rashid Walker, Royce Newman, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and then Yash at right tackle. But to your point, Caleb Jones is now your, your swing tackle at that point. Sean Ryan's your remaining interior. And is that, I think that's it at that point. So like, even then, I mean, you who's your backup center up- in that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's probably Sean Runyan? Ryan, I think. I don't yeah, know. Like well, they did Runyon. They have Runyon that they've, like, practiced there a ton, too. Um, but, like, it's still not ideal. And, like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, you have to have eight active offensive linemen. Otherwise, you have to, like – To get the extra – Yeah. yeah so, so, like, you almost need to call up somebody there, too, if you don't have anyone else, which at that point, I don't even know. Like, Michael Jordan? Can we see a Michael Jordan appearance? He, he snapped at Ohio State before – Yeah. Uh, Josh Myers was there, so is that maybe. Their only? Oh, Kadeem Telford at tackle is the only other. Yeah, it'd be one of those two. So like, it's the 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 roster math is real now. The roster yeah. math is way more real than when we were talking about the fifty three. Um, you know, at cut at cut downs and stuff. So yeah, and uh, you mentioned uh, the eight. So basically, what the NFL did was, if you're wondering like how rosters got expanded, I think what was it? It was at it was at 45, they gave you 46 because they got rid of the third quarterback rule. And then 47 is conditional on you having eight got yeah, eight offensive linemen active for the game. So that is technically and now 49 if you activate a third quarterback or like an emergency quarterback is 40. Emergency third quarterback plus two cops. Very dumb. Just let the players play. I don't understand why we're doing this. Why do why the damn owners? This is all their fault, not us. It, it, like it's supposed to be like, I think like a competitive advantage and make sure that like everything doesn't get specialized where like you've got a player that just does one thing or whatever. But like, if you act, if you can activate oh, 49, activate 49. Here's my dumb theory too. <laughs> like if, if you want the third quarterback, do you know how many teams are using like the third quarterback rule right now? Like almost none. So if you're, if your goal from an NFL standpoint is to make sure that you don't get into a game where like you have to play a wide receiver or something, just make it so that you can have, 54 a 54 man roster and 49 active but what you have to have three quarterbacks and i know we could get into then like is Taysom hill a quarterback and what like i don't know maybe it's either way i don't even want to get into it that's all i gotta say it's, about it. it's weird and it's all just 
the owners not one wanting players to accrue seasons so that they don't have to like pay out lifetime benefits stuff like that so that's probably true too but yeah like i think the other thing is i don't know how you felt about royce in this game there were moments where it was fine there were moments where he had a couple decent like like impressive blocks or whatever but it definitely still felt to me like he was the weak link. I didn't think Runyon had a great game in this one either, but I felt like Royce still was kind of the weak link. Um, I don't know if they, I don't think they consider Sean Ryan on a short week, but I don't know. It's just getting, like you said, the roster math is getting real. They don't have much depth and there's, they're just kind of out of options at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the, uh, the Newman thing. I don't think he played well, but he's played better than I thought that he was going to play for the first you know, quarter and a half of or, or a game and a half of action that he's been in. So, um, tip of the cap, tip of the cap that for is, you for that. That one, is so. a funny thing because, like, it wasn't a train wreck. So it's like, all right, we're okay. Like we felt yeah. like it was like a pretty decent. But yeah, it was. It's not well, moments. Part of it too is like they weren't stunning a lot in the front, right? And that's one thing that you know, if you're looking at edge rushers, like they're going to do some of that stuff with Hutchinson. It's not like Detroit doesn't have edge rushers. I mean, they even have guys like, uh, what's his name? Josh Pascal or whatever, um, who, who yep. you know, second round pick, he can move inside and out. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I think there's going to be more opportunities for that this week than for him to get exposed last week with new Orleans. Cause they're, they're not, you know, there's not a lot of guys with high athleticism who are going to stab across the face. Like Granderson was always just going to be an edge bender, um, Cam Jordan is a is a big guy. He doesn't have the legs of a guy like Hutchinson right now. So this might seem overreactive. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't think Green Bay can win this game. Aiden Hutchinson versus Yash Nyman. I just I don't think they. they I, I think that's going to be a, a massive massive problem. But- we'll see. Hutchinson does look better this year than he was last year, and he was, you know, probably an above average starter last season. You know, as yeah. I've, I've been wrong before, so that's the good news of that. Uh, let's have our weekly. What's that? Okay. I was I was just gonna add, you know, from the next gen stats packet. Apparently, uh, there's like no team in the NFL who's like worse than Detroit off of play action right now. So maybe run some play action plays. So defensively against play yeah, action. Yeah, defensively, defensively. Gotcha. Well, Green Bay runs a ton of it, even when they can't yep. run the football. It, it always amazes me. Like, all right, look, uh, educate me, Justice. This was in like, especially in the early Aaron Rodgers era when they couldn't run the football at all. And they'd have like John Kuhn at halfback and stuff. And every team was still honoring Green Bay's play action game. I just, I could never understand in certain points of like, just play pass defense. Like if, if, if John Kuhn or like James Starks beats you at that point, so be it because you're, you're getting beat every single time on that double po like the, the corner post to either Jennings or Nelson on play action. Like every, like Green Bay could do it like once or twice a game and people just keep buying on play action. And it, like at some point, if a team's not stopping the run, like why or like, sorry, not running the football, why are you still honoring play action? Well, this is what all the PFF guys will tell you, right? It's that, you know, the run has been established in the NFL for a hundred years. Like that's why they're biting on the play action that all these defenses, you know, you're, you're taking your, it's not you're taking your coverage steps and then you're flowing to fit the run. It's you're taking your run steps when you see run and then you flow back into coverage, right? So I, know. I think that's just the way teams coach it up and maybe it's not the correct way. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, play action certainly on a per play basis or you're, you're getting more out of that than you are the run game. No, big time. So, yeah, I mean, Green Bay hasn't stopped using it and the teams have not 
like stopped honoring it, despite the fact that Green Bay can't run the football right now. So keep running it until they figure it out, I guess. Uh, let's have our weekly Dontavian Wicks chat. You mentioned him briefly earlier. He's still getting open, which is really fun. He's a really fun player. Not a complete player yet, but he's going to be at some point. And I'm very much still excited about what he's going to become. And he's already playing at a pretty fun level. I'm, And maybe this take is going to look terrible down the line. Maybe it's just... I saw this take. I'm prepared for this take. I think your take is wrong, but say it anyway. I'm I'm more excited about him and his future than I am about Dobbs or Reed right now. That's it. I mean, I, I think he can do a little bit more. I mean, the fact that he can separate is really fun. Um, Dobbs is getting a lot of contested targets. I don't know if he's good at that. I know people say he has strong hands, but he's catching like one of every eight of these, these you know, super contested targets. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, but Wicks can get open, man. And if you can yeah. get open in the NFL, that's everything at receiver. No, we're in the era of separation at wide receiver. If you know how to get, you know, get open and get separate, you like your get separation that that's advantage to you. So I, I I'm actually not in disagreement with you. I thought it's, I don't know. I, I thought I saw something of like, we do we need to have a conversation of Romeo Dobbs or like I get over Dontavian Wicks or something like that. So oh. I wasn't ready to quite go there yet. Like I, and I then, and have... then Dobbs went off immediately after that, that was in the middle of the Dobbs stretch where he was just getting targeted and not coming down with any of the, any of those balls. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal. So you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And, And if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it. Enjoy your game day and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean shaven look, but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for below the waist is coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new handyman electric face shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use code PACKADAY for 20% off and free shipping. You may have noticed my recently cleanly shaved face over on the YouTube channel, and that perfect shave was brought to you by Manscaped's Handyman. The best part is I was able to get the exact shave I wanted without any of the usual mess of traditional shavers. I've also used their signature Beard Hedger, which is a juggernaut of fixing faces. You can trim your beard to 20 different lengths, all in one guard, so using this thing is amazing, and basically it's perfect. No matter what tool you use, you can't go wrong with Manscaped's line of products. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code PAC a day at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday that's p-a-c-k-a-d-a-y no hyphens hit that refresh button with the handyman it's finally football season which means 
It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, so I, right now I'm still team Romeo over Wicks at this point. I don't have a I don't have a argument of you saying that long like or long term or like eventually you're more excited about Dontavian Wicks. I I'm extremely excited and there's just there's a little bit more nuance there. There's a little bit more uh you know to his release game off the line of scrimmage. There's a little bit more at the break point where he's he's going to give you some sauce and he's going to find a way to separate and we saw, and I'm not comparing to, you know who I'm going to say, but Devontae Adams, I'm not saying they're apples to apples, but when you've got some stuff, the, some sauce at the line of scrimmage and some sauce at the break point, you're going to get open. And I think like just the fact too, that week one, this guy hadn't played. And I know Watson's yeah. out. I know Dobbs is banged up and on a snap count or whatever, but week one, that guy barely played, barely practiced he had the most snaps of any wide receiver week one. Like the fact that they trusted him that much, the fact in week two opening play of the game shot play, you can probably run that play to anyone. Who do they choose to run it to Dontavian Wicks? Like you can tell there is already a massive amount of trust in that building for that guy. And I think understandably so. And also he's, he's a like a willing blocker too, which is fun. I'm not saying he's great at it, but he's more than willing. And he's, he's a really, really fun player. Also, Keep an eye on what Virginia is doing on a week-to-week basis. The Packers, I've never heard them kind of like trash coaching staff the way that they did when Wicks was drafted, where they were like, yeah, there was a change there, and that kind of explains some of the production and the loss there. Um, Armstrong, who was Virginia's quarterback, just ended up beating them uh, as you know a transfer to NC State. Virginia right now is spiraling. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's all that stuff, you know, with the the shooting that involved the team and stuff like that. Um, but they weren't playing games after that, right? So, like, the, all all the stuff that was happening on the field was not necessarily impacted by that stuff um, last season. And Wicks was a guy who, coming into his senior year, there were much higher expectations than what he was, you know, actually able to show on the field. And all that drop stuff that was, you know, the 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 red letters bolded, underlined, all that stuff. Uh, on his scouting report coming out, uh, we're not seeing it anymore. And no. if he doesn't have those issues, then like, look, out. steam ahead, choo choo, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. In fact, it's been Jaden Reed that's had the bigger drop issues by far so far than Dante Van Wicks. I don't know. That, seen... and, you know who's frustrating me? Touré. Why are we throwing it to Touré downfield? Yeah, that he I comes think, in uh, and lost... we just throw throw incompletions to him deep every game. 
I think Ross wrote about this too. Uh, I'm very much on on the like the other train is that once Watson gets back, this just need like the Malik Heath and the Samori Toure snaps just need to go away. Like it's four what you have four wide receivers. You've got Watson, you've got Dobbs, you've got Reed, and you've got Wicks. And there's no really reason at that point once everyone's healthy for any of the other wide receivers to see the field at that point, in my opinion. To, so. to Ray, I think Toure makes sense as a depth guy. And he does more blocking than you would think for a guy his size. Oh, yeah. And he brings you some depth as a return man. The guy who's interesting to me is like they haven't been giving he snaps in the past yeah. two weeks. And maybe that's a thing where they're like, I don't know, maybe we try to get him back on the practice squad practice and we bring squad. someone up. Like maybe they do want to call up a Mosby from the practice squad to help play special teams and alleviate some of that stress. And they're like, look, let's just call up Ballantyne uh, then. Right, like let's add Ballantyne and Taylor, and get rid of Heath and whoever, and, and we'll we'll call it a day. Yeah, I think there's a few people. I, I think Emmanuel Wilson, Malik Heath, Zane Anderson, off the top of my head, I think those are probably players that just based on needing players at other positions that could be yeah. closer to the lookout, you know, sort of area. So roster math. Some people want to hear that week three. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> I said no. roster math after week three. Week let's three. go. I, I was talking to Nagler earlier today and I said, I think this like normally an early bye week, not, not a great thing. I think this team being as young as they are and as injured as they are, it might be a very good thing for this. And it's nice too, that if they can get past this Lions game, especially they can pick up a win and having a little bit of time off after that. Then you got Vegas on, was that a Monday night? Monday, that a Monday, a Monday night, night game. Monday night Vegas. So they even get an, like it's almost like a full, bye week going from Thursday to, to Monday. And then you've got a, another, you know, bye week right after that. So they're going to have some extended time off. We're not going to get much Packers from after the Lions game until whatever game is right after the bye week. It's just one game in like what, like a three and a half week period or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's no It's going to be a long stretch. All right. A couple of really quick ones for you. And then we'll get out of here. I know you wanted to talk about Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. So I'll, I'll give you the floor. We said, we said Wooden got his head caved in. And that he can't play that many snaps. And he went from, I believe he played 36 snaps the first two games of the season, each, each one of them, right? So yep. what is that? 72 snaps total. Um, he played 10 snaps this game. And Carl Brooks had the second most snaps of any interior defensive lineman. That change has been made on the depth chart. Um, it took him a loss to get there, but it's clear Brooks is better than Wooden. Um, so on one hand, right, you get team is already decreasing snap counts for a fourth round rookie. On the other hand, you get the, the, you know, you guys say you want Joe Barry to make adjustments, right? Joe Barry's making some adjustments and uh, now Brooks, who's kind of the hot hand is getting an extended look. So that's a guy who you're only going to hear more and more about. I think. Like there's a lot more, you know, forgiveness too. If like your fourth round pick is a little worse than you were expecting, but our, your sixth round pick is a little bit better than you were expecting. If you're just right. swapping people in the same draft class too, it's a little less egregious, but no, I'm, I think Carl Brooks is, has been better so far. Uh, I was happy to see more Brooks this week. I did think, you know, Wooden did okay in limited snaps and maybe that's just what it needs to be is more of that 10 to 12 snaps. And maybe he can hold up a little bit better with that. But yeah, I, th- I think it was a hundred percent the right move. I'm actually, I was, I was still surprised Brooks got so many. I mean, he he legitimately outsnapped. He outsnapped Slayton. He outsnapped Wyatt. Um, he's obviously not the starter, but you know he's first guy up off of the bench now. And I didn't I didn't realize they were going to use him. You know that much. I, I'm like especially because you could maybe see 
if they were like winning by a bunch or not even by a bunch, but like winning and the other team was going a lot of pass sets and they just wanted him as like a, more of like a pass rusher type inside, but it wasn't that they were losing the majority of the game. So yeah, that it's is not like they were getting exhausted in the run game or anything either. I think the saints had like 77 yards or something like yeah. that on the ground. No, not at all. But um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one. I really like Carl Brooks. So I'm, I'm all on board that train as well. I want to talk to you about edge rushers really quick because we saw Rashawn have a really nice week this week, which was awesome. Um, Brenton Cox got one snap. We're not really making any judgments there. LVN, I think, has been really positive. I know he's battling the injury right now, but very, very excited about that. But it's the other three that I want to see a little bit more from, or you know, maybe just I think we talked about this last week. Once he's healthy, just more LVN. But Preston's been fine. But like I challenge anyone to name their favorite Preston Smith play so far this year. Like it's, it's been fine. It's not been bad, but it's not been good either. There hasn't been anything super impactful from Preston. Same thing for Justin Hollins. I thought Enigbare played better this week than he did in week two, yeah, but for, it for still sure. hasn't been yeah like a lot better, but it still hasn't been super impactful either. I just think they, I, I don't know what the answer is right now at edge. It's just, I I'm left wanting a little bit more from really the group outside of Rashawn Gary right now. Yeah, that's one thing that I talked about in the post-game show for us was um, Enik Barre specifically. It, it felt like he was used as uh, the guy who kind of was supposed to negate the option, right? Where you saw him take the quarterback a lot in the option game and then, you know, play, play you know, chase the run from behind if it was a handoff. Yep. Um, and I think he's the only guy who has the speed and, like, fluidity to actually be able to chase down some of those run those zone plays where they right. leave the backside edge unblocked. Um, I think he's the only guy who can do that on this team. So I, I think he has some value there. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on Hollins. You know, Hollins, I was more impressed with what he was doing um, in the preseason and uh, or I guess less so in the preseason because Enig Barra beat him there too. Um, but, you know, impressed with what he did last season in the regular season. Um, but it's it's not – necessarily translating right now so yeah i no. mean they're the guys up front are you know if you can get Enigbar on a speed rush um rashawn gary obviously like doing anything with his hands or just bull rushing someone kenny clark destroying someone like that's that's where you're getting your pressure right now i don't think you're getting much out of anyone else other than uh you know the limited lvn snaps which i i do think he's been playing pretty solid i, th- I think I, I wonder if at some point they start to phase out Holland's a little bit and maybe that's why they wanted to test Cox I guess I guess that's another spot too where they do have an extra body um if they do need to make a roster move because they got six edge rushers I I think Cox was just active because he was like again they only had one healthy scratch so they were just like I guess you're gonna play today and you played one snap and they were like yeah they basically had to choose between Caleb Jones Anthony Johnson Jr. and Brenton Cox of who to be inactive and they chose Anthony yeah. Johnson Jr., which is not a great sign for him either, by the way. <laughs> but I he um, had a good preseason, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, they not. do have six safeties. So yeah, that's also true. But Dane Anderson, not not healthy in that one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I digress. Uh the last thing I want to talk about super quick, just because I was an idiot and forgot to mention it in my postgame show. But we finally got Keyshawn Nixon on offense. He got one play. Sure did. Josiah did not block it at all. And Nixon still made 10 yards out of it, thankfully. But uh I think Matt said sort of tongue in cheek today of like, maybe they need to, you know, use it a little bit more or whatever, but uh, listen, I'm down for a little bit more Keyshawn, even if it's decoy, I don't care what it is. Like I wouldn't hate seeing him 
three to five snaps on the field, even if it wasn't, even if he wasn't like, again, massively involved in the play. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind getting the ball in his hand. I mean, we're all, I mean, I've never been more tuned into, you know, kick returns than, than when Keyshawn's back there right now. So he's a guy you want the ball in his hand. Um, LaFleur also mentioned that he's like, I had to give him a, I had to give him a snap because I felt like I've been lying to him for three weeks. I tell him every week we're going to get him, get him on there and uh, it doesn't end up happening. So this is, this wasn't just a one-off and um, you know, it's something that, you know, you guys reported when you guys were out there, you know, in the summer, you're like Keyshawn, you know, he's working in with the offense at times. So um, it's not a one-off. I would expect to see a little bit more of it again. I mean, it's not going to be a huge package or anything because if he goes down, you can't just delete all those plays from the playbook. I'd, I'd assume he gets maybe one, two type of plays, you know, a week. Yep. And at some point they're going to have to use him as a decoy too um, because it's going to be obvious like, oh, 25 is on the field. Just follow 25. Yeah, they they uh, they can't just have the same tell every time he's on the field. That's for sure. Interesting too in this one that I think – very clearly they were just looking for a spark to try to get something, but interesting that they went with him at punt returner after Jaden started the game. And then that, again, I think it was just like, we need a big play Keyshawn go back and return punts, but interesting that they made that move when they were losing and needed a little bit more of something, but that was, that was another interesting choice. Yeah. And I think he's going to get better on defense too. I mean, he's, he's wearing so many hats right now. Right. I mean, it feels like a lot of these guys who are experienced or in the starting lineup are wearing so many hats just because, this team is so damn young, but that's young and that's the life up. we're living now. It is. Uh, just his final thoughts or anything on Packers lines that you wanted to go over before we get out of here. Um, pressure golf. The yeah. story every single time we play the Lions. If you can pressure golf, you can win the game. If you don't, he's going to look like an all star. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Hopefully, these guys stay healthy. Um, that's the analysis that I have of this game, I, I guess they're a really disjointed team um, in terms of they're like the opposite of the Bengals, right? Like the Bengals are a team that we think of that doesn't really have any under center play action game, right? Like when they want to throw, they get Burrow in the gun, they spread everyone out, and then he just throws to his open wide receivers because they, they have all-star receivers. Um, right. And in the run game, they go under center, and it just always feels like you could tell what the Bengals are doing pre-snap. The Lions are kind of the opposite of that. And I don't know if it's because they have a good offensive line and maybe their weapons aren't as up to par as, you know, the NFL average or whatever. Um, but they're a team that can't run under center right now. But they're really good at, like, inside zone out of the shotgun. And then Goff isn't a guy who's great as, like, a drop-back passer, but he's really good off of play action. So it's it's like this really bizarre thing where, like, usually you'd think, you know – you, you want to go under center to run the ball. You want to get into the gun to pass. The lines are the total opposite of that on the offensive side. So it's going to be a little weird to watch. Yeah, I think they've been in the past with the kind of Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, like those type of quarterbacks, to your point, they don't get pressure on them. They're going to look like assassins. And if you get pressure like on Tom them, Brady and you're like, who the heck is this? Yep. But what if was you get it, pressure, two, two get years ago, week two? Was that the first time we saw Goff and Goff was just back there patting the ball for two whole quarters? And then they're like, yeah. hey, we, we got to turn it loose. We got to we got to blitz the heck out of this guy. And the pass rushers are going to be a, a big deal because this line is better than what it was, you know, two years ago or whatever. I mean, that's a probably I mean, when Green Bay's healthy, Philadelphia and then probably Detroit. I mean, those are probably the best offensive lines in the league right now. So 
Yeah, Penny. All the matchups aren't in your favor. No. It's going to be really fun. Justice, you are amazing. As always, tell everyone where we can find uh, all the great work on Acme Packing Company and uh, all your great work as well on social, whatever else. Yeah, APC, uh, we wrote up um, we wrote up a couple of things. We wrote up the Yadam stuff. We wrote up uh, the Carl Brooks, you know, offensive or the depth chart change and stuff like that. We'll keep you up to date on like the injury report, all that stuff throughout the week. Um, Acme Packing Company podcast feed. You can hear us throughout the week. Um, tune in to uh, what is it called? The whatever the stats cast is for Thursday night football. I don't know, Andy. Have you been able to check it out this season? The stats cast. I've not checked it out this season. No. So last year they had like the big old L bar, right? Which like took yeah. up a lot of the screen and stuff like that. So like you were able to watch the all twenty two, but like the the actual game looked even smaller because there was the L bar that had a bunch of stats on it. And then there was the all 22. So the players just like shrink, 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 shrink. Yep. Um, it's a lot better now. Um, they got rid of the L bar. It's really, it's you know one of the more pleasant ways to watch football. Um, I thought, I thought it was really cool when I watched uh, the giants game a couple weeks ago, I think they're going to sneak in. If you guys have followed me on Twitter or anything, they're going to sneak in the, uh, Bill Belichick needs 70 whatever straight games to match Matt LaFleur's win percentage thing. So I'm sure someone is going to freak out about that on, on Twitter during the game. So you guys are in on the inside joke. That is absolutely amazing. Go follow his work. Check out the, uh, the Amazon, what is it? The stat cast, right? On Thursday, uh, the stat it's whatever the alternative yeah. uh, broadcast yeah, is. I can't remember what yeah. it's called, but uh, check out that. Check out uh, the Packaday Podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow him at J-U-M-O-S-Q. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.